0: All right. Welcome on to Moxie with F.P. Wellman. I am F.P. Wellman. It has been a busy week and it's only Thursday. Uh, you know, we, we celebrated Indictment Tuesday and on all the fun that goes with that uh, and the nor- and, uh, insanity. Uh, we also had some local lecture to talk about. I've got a lot to talk about. Our guest, you know, is a crazy week. Every guest I had uh, lined up got booked for TV, which is not OK, but still whatever. <laughs> but nonetheless, so you're going to be stuck with me solo for a little bit here. I hope you enjoy the show. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to work. all right welcome 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 you know i talked about last week I, we talked about gun uh, issues with uh, a great guest chris brown uh really enjoyed the show if you haven't seen it i really would love you to go back and watch that show we talked about the gun violence issues you know i did i actually took some of my stuff off the set because it was such a serious issue uh you know want to take it seriously And i i, I kind of lost my cheer yourself but, but i gotta tell you Kind of got my cheery self back this week, you know, after watching the insanity. And then there's some couple of good news. So, you know, we're going to do just us chatting today. Um, I want to start with some of the, the better news and some some signs of hope. Uh, and then from the hope, we'll go to the crazy. And then uh, we'll talk about what we're up against. So thanks for being here. I really appreciate you joining the show. We've got a lot to talk about. You know, we, you know, I was reading up for the show, and I was reading this great write-up by Simon Rosenberg. And Simon um, runs an excellent substack called the Hopium Chronicles. And he talks about a lot about how to defeat the MAGA movement. And one of his key themes is that we must fight back at every turn. And that's kind of the key theme that I use quite a bit, right? Is we're, we're definitely, people think the same way. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I talk about a lot about uncontested races, how how Democrats haven't competed at every level and how it pays off if we do. And, and I think we're seeing some results from that this week. So, it, but if you listen, you know I say those things. So we must fight everywhere. But he recently wrote a great piece that struck me. He quoted Yale historian, Dr. Timothy Snyder, about how to fight back. And it says very clearly, um, I, I love this quote, I actually wrote it down. It says, lesson number one, do not obey in advance. Most of the power of authoritarianism is freely given. In times like these, individuals think ahead about what a more repressive government will want and then off themselves without being asked. A citizen who adapts this way is teaching power what it can do. Anticipatory, anticipatory obedience is a political tragedy. I I just loved it. And as I was preparing and seeing some of the events going around the country, uh, it really struck me that we are seeing that where people are just, you know, being obedient because they know something is coming. And that goes right to where we talk about fighting everywhere. But there is good news, and it shows exactly what can be done. So up in Wisconsin, this morning we woke up, or yesterday we woke up, and and the Wisconsin Supreme Court results came in. Highly contested race, millions of dollars spent for a Supreme Court. Why? If you're not familiar with the issue, uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court hung in the balance. It's had a conservative majority for 15 years. Uh, One of the more conservative justices was retiring. Um, The final two candidates was a a woman named uh, Janet Pertosiaska, um, Everyone just calls her Janet. <laughs> She's a progressive. Uh, and then, of course, her opponent was Daniel Kelly, who is a, a MAGA supporter, who actually um, is accused of participating in some of the work to turn over um, fake electoral college results, or fake electors uh, in Wisconsin. He advised the organization that was trying to create fake electors as their lawyer. So the good news and it was that overnight, we found out that she won by a landslide by over 11 points. She actually reached that magic number of 55% um from so many organized support and or national support it's a huge deal they've flipped the wisconsin supreme court as it faces issues around abortion uh, voting rights a number of issues and she ran on a clear message of abortion access that was her number one issue she talked over and over about you know abortion care being health care and the need and what we're seeing already is that the early results are showing it was powered in large part by youth voter turnout my friend victor she posted this morning that it appears young voter turnout matched the 2022 general election And the area around the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, 87% of the votes in that region, that district, went to Janet. So it tells you that if we turn out, if we motivate the base, if we motivate younger voters, if we explain the issues very carefully and very directly and are not afraid to go to the heart of what a lot of progressives believe in abortion access and others – they can win. Um, in 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 many cases, Daniel Kelly should have won. Uh he he proved what kind of a horrible person he was by giving us his, his concession speech is one for the ages he you should watch because it's just it just shows the MAGA mindset uh of never declaring, you know, defeat uh and, and blaming the other side for everything. But it was a great a great example of where we can succeed if we fight, but even more so locally here where I live, uh here in Missouri. So little no fact, Missouri has local school board races in April. I don't know why, but we do. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure there's a real good reason I could Google. But, you know, so April 3rd, of course, was a was a local elections for a number of the school boards across the country. Last year, across the state, uh, a number of right wing candidates who had been part of the anti mask movement had grown up, started participating in the anti CRT hysteria. They won their races supported by Moms for Liberty and a number of other dark money C4 groups on the right who gave them enough money to buy signs and buy mailers and and and, and, and really push hard. A lot of us were worried that that AstroTurf-type campaign would work again in this sector. As a matter of fact, Moss for Liberty put out a list of their approved candidates. I actually caught it. A, a friend of mine sent it to me, and I was able to treat it out and show people exactly who they were supporting. Um, and and they placed dozens. They had dozens of these running across the state. The thing about those people when they win is they, they can do things immediately. They, they can turn back the diversity programs. Here in where the district we live in, they got rid of all the diversity programs almost immediately. Um, they, the whole transgender students, you know, playing sports, all these ridiculous issues. And then when they win, they're also on track for higher office. School board is a place where you, you know, you start your political career. Um, so there was great concern. Well, I got to tell you, we woke up. To good news in many parts of the state here in the around the St. Louis County area, the most of the progressive candidates actually won. Very few of the Moms for Liberty endorsed candidates in the St. Louis area and, and the extended counties around it won. In Columbia, they lost handily. In Springfield, they lost handily. Uh, a lot of really good wins, and I got to tell you, what I saw was very effective. First, the the National Education Association, the teachers union, actually got very aggressive. They 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 interviewed candidates. They endorsed candidates, and then they came up with slates, well, much like Moms for Liberty was doing. So, in your district, you you had a slate, and here's the three candidates that are up because it's a, it's a it's a pool voting system. Um, everybody runs, and then the people the top three votes get elected, or however many seats are available. And in this case, they were running slates and, and helping you, like even with the little rubrics. In my district it was CMB. The three candidates all their last names start with CMB. All right, just remember CMB when you go to the vote. You know, you go in there in the ballot because it's hard to tell. They don't have party affiliation on their names. So it really worked well. It's a very effective and coordinated grassroots efforts here in in the in the St. Louis and Missouri region that was very effective against a modest fluidic If we're gonna fight back against these grassroots organizations, we're gonna fight back and I don't think they're grassroots, Frank. I still think they're astroturf, they're fake grassroots. But if you're gonna fight back, you gotta fight back grassroots. If you're gonna win, you gotta you gotta win. You gotta to fight to win. And it was really good to see The progressive uh, uh, candidates and the progressive support groups really come together here in the state and really put out smart candidates with smart marketing behind them and smart campaigning, uh, lots of signs, which in local races do matter. I mean, in politics, they always tell you, you know, signs don't win elections. That is probably true for, you know, Congress and president and everything else. But I gotta tell you, in in school board races, it matters, right? It does matter because people that maybe the only thing they see about the race is the sign. So having the money to do that and supporting and investing in Kansas Do works. And they create these tickets and they won. And so we really saw the effects and the impact of quality grassroots work paying off. And and that gives me great hope. So I think you can see as we go into this week, as we go into this next phase, you know, we're facing the general election, you know, that we're going back in the presidential cycle. Um, this is in most places an off year, we like to say, but if you start now, you start building grassroots, right? You start building campaigns that are effective, start building them with good candidates who are putting together professional campaigns and have a plan. You can do well, you can take back these places and we have to fight in those places. Now, and the rest of the world, um, and and something I wrote about yesterday in my substack, which we'll talk about later, um, was that the smoke and mirrors though continues, right? Well, we were we were very successful this week in, in pushing back in a lot of places. The big show in the country, and I'm sure you're expecting me to talk about, it, is the Trump indictment, right? Um, and I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be. I don't know how strong the indictment is, I'm not gonna lie to you. I I do or do not know, but here's what I do know. Thirty-four felonies are a lot, okay? And your average American, your average low-information voter, they're just going to hear 34 felony charges, right? They're not legal experts. It, it's kind of interesting to see the political punditry just absolutely eat each other alive. I mean, I, I was reading stuff this morning, getting ready for the show, just, oh, this is nothing. It's 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 the nothing burger. It's, it's a fake crime. Here's what the average American's going to hear. 34 felony charges, okay? 34 felony charges. And here's the thing I have been getting frustrated with, especially with my friends on the right, who are those who lean right still. They keep saying, I consistently, Joe Walsh, who I, I, I often spar with, but like um, was saying today, that I don't care what you say, look at these legal charges, this is going to help Trump. That's the big thing. This is going to help Trump. And if you look at the polls, uh, for Republicans, it did help him. Uh, I think my friends at the Lincoln Project put out a a graphic today showing that Trump's now sitting at 65% uh, for the Republican primary. In the Republican primary. (laughs) Okay, so it may help him in the short term. It may help him raise money. But here's the key we, we cannot forget. Donald Trump lost in 2020 because he lost the normies. And this is a term I use a lot, if you follow me. The normies. Something we had the Lincoln project we used, we used to call it the Bannon line. And it was came from a speech that Steve Bannon gave during the 2020 election campaign cycle, where he said, Hey, look, those Lincoln Project guys, you can't underestimate them because all it takes is for them to peel off three to four percent of Republicans that voted for Donald Trump in twenty sixteen. And he loses. And that was always our focus at the Lincoln Project, and a lot of our peers, a lot of our our fellow organizations that were fighting Trumpism. That was always the part. I, I, I remember having a wonderful conversation uh, with one of my friends who's a Democrat, had uh, run for Congress in, in in I think Utah, and uh, and she says she goes, "Fred, I don't understand you, Lincoln Project I don't understand your messaging. It doesn't work for me." I'm like, "Good, that's not supposed to," <laughs> you know. I'm like, uh, "I think you're confused. I, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm trying to convince Republicans." Um, And in the end, Donald Trump did lose about four to six percent of the Republicans that had voted for him. He lost the normies, right? He lost those military members and voters and veterans and others, the moms who saw him as the vulgarian. They saw him as incompetent when he ran COVID so poorly. They saw him undermine the rule of law. They saw those things and they didn't vote for him. What on earth makes you think? that being charged with 34 felonies in New York and the insanity that's going to go with that because Donald Trump can't keep his mouth shut, okay? His supporters can't keep their mouth shut. The insanity ensuing from this indictment and Trump's behavior because of it is showing America exactly who he is. So while he may get support in the Republican primary, we also know for a fact that primary voters are consistently the zealots of their parties, right? People who consistently vote in primers are typically the people who are really into politics, right? The problem is Donald Trump needs the normies. And the normies are people like my girlfriend's parents who uh, are in their 80s, and they're lifelong Republicans. They're also, you know, boomers or even um, you know, silent generation. You know, it, it, it's the greatest generation, folks. What makes you think on earth... That after voting against Trump in 2020, that after him being charged with 34 felonies, that they're somehow going to change their mind and go back to him. Yeah, I, I don't believe on on any planet that there's a a, a a Trump then Biden and then Trump voter at this point. Okay, he's not gotten better in the years he's been gone. He's he's not gotten cra- less crazy. He's all the more crazy, and there's more to come. Right, we, we still have Georgia. We still have Jack Smith doing their thing. So. I, I get the, the the political country class saying, oh, this is going to help him. Look, the polls prove it. Yeah. And, and there's a very good chance he will win the Republican nomination if he's not in jail. <laughs> you know, and how he is in jail, he would probably win it. But that doesn't mean he's going to win the general, because in the general he still has to go against whoever the Democrats choose. It may or may not be Joe Biden. And they're going to have to prove that a guy who's under federal charges and state charges and city charges across the country is somehow the right guy to occupy the Oval Office again. And I just have a very hard time believing for even a second that a a, a basically low-information voter is going to choose the guy with 34 felony charges against him. So, again, it's the political punditry. You're going to pundit. That's what we do. Um, But I just take it with a grain of salt when I say, uh, and and when they're going to throw polls in your face showing his, his popularity went up, if you can't prove to me that normies, the people who voted against him last time, are somehow more convinced now he's been charged with 34 felonies, that they're going to have to vote for him next time because of that. I think you're missing the point. I, I would disagree. So, for that. But here's the thing um, the march of the right wing movement continues in state houses across the country. Right. And, and I, I literally did a list here in my computer. So, we're going to have to read these. OK. <laughs> OK. I mean, I, I listed some of them in my Substack yesterday. But I, I, I did this because the Donald Trump show and the Donald Trump circus. And his clown show, his clowns, his his chief clown, Marjorie Terry Green, uh, who's zooming around the country doing stuff for Donald Trump and not, not doing a goddamn thing for her constituents. Um, Jim Jordan trying to weaponize the, the 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 Committee on the Weaponization of Government, which is fucking full of irony. <laughs> you know, the Speaker of the House more worried about Donald Trump's legal problems than he is about actually trying to help average Americans. I, on that note, it was great. They, they They actually tried to celebrate their first quarter in power and they literally had to put out a scorecard that shows of the 10 priorities that Speaker McCarthy laid out for his first year, or whatever, in office as Speaker. The first quarter, they've only passed two out of 10 and neither's going to pass the Senate. So they haven't passed an actual law. They haven't actually passed a single thing that's going like, to move their agenda. And they're trying to crow about that. And while they're doing that, instead of doing that, instead of on their agenda, what are they doing? They're going after the people trying to go after Donald Trump. It, it's insanity. But that's what they're doing. That's the smoke a mirror. That's the circus. That's the, call it the shell game. It's a shell game. You know how you win the shell game? The way the shell game works is, it's, look, anybody can follow a ball under a cup. It's a distraction, right? They talk to you while they're moving the cups. They wave their hands around in front of the cups. They distract you. So you don't know which cup moved where, right? And that's what they're doing, right? They're hiding, they're hiding the bullshit. And this is the bullshit they're hiding under the cups. Right, bullshit. Uh, I mean, honestly, the list is insane. You know, I'm sure you may have heard. At in Tennessee, we had the horrible shooting we talked about last week at Nashville. Students, kids are mad, so they went there, petitioned their government. They they went into the, they went peacefully and loudly, by the way, into the state capitol and protested three representatives actually supported them they went to the, the rostrum inside the, the the house of representatives and with a with a megaphone and 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 offered their support for the students who were ex- exercising their free speech well this week they did a fast track to expel three members of the house of representatives for supporting these students in the way they did they've already kicked them off their committees and now they're moving to expel them as early as thursday to put this in perspective so we understand just how fucking insane it is that the Tennessee House of Representatives is trying to kick out members for nothing more than supporting protesters. No one's been expelled from the Tennessee House of Representatives since the fucking Civil War. The Civil War was the last time the Tennessee legislature felt they should kick out members. And now they're going to kick out three for exercising their free speech. Florida? DeSantis land, where we talked about last week again, how Ron DeSantis has passed and signed a concealed carry law that basically throws out the entire permitting process. So anyone with a gun, with a license, can now conceal carry a weapon with no training, no permit, um, no oversight from the government. He's armed the whole state. And, and why? For his reelection election campaign. It literally, no one asked for it. Everyone agreed the permitting system in Florida worked quite well and it was effective and was running very smoothly because after all, he's the governor and, you know, he's all about running a smooth government he, in theory. So they passed this law. Well, then they move right to the next one. They want to pass a new six-week abortion ban. Six weeks with the same rules that you have to have two doctor appointments before you get an abortion. They, they've, they're effectively ending all abortion in the state um, completely. So as people do, Planned Parenthood and their allies stage a short protest Guess what happened? They actually had the police come out and arrest. The Nick, Nikki Fried, is the head of the Democratic Party. Lauren Book, who's the uh, Senate minority leader, were arrested for nothing more than sitting in a circle on the grounds of the Tallahassee City Hall after dark. And a phalanx of police came out and arrested them on camera because they were, quote, trespassing and didn't have an overnight camping permit. Again, DeSantis land is all about rolling back your free speech rights. In the same week they rolled back your free speech, they expanded your Second Amendment. So they love the Second Amendment more than they loved the First. Arkansas passed their insane education reform bill that's going to basically dismantle public schools even as thousands of students protested against it. We heard about that with Chris Jones, who was on the show a couple, three weeks ago. In Missouri, Missouri is best where I live, last year Missouri passed one of their book bans. Don't call it a book ban. They passed a book ban. Two Missouri librarians on their own decided to sue the state using, I think, ACLU is backing them, to try and get this law overturned. This session in the legislature, the legislature decided to punish them by essentially defunding all public libraries in the state. Because two librarians, whose job is to help kids learn and help all of us learn, have access to books, books, they're going to actually try and defund all the public libraries as punishment. That's called using the government as a weapon that's authoritarian in idaho and not only do they just bring back the firing squad they're actually on the verge of passing a law to combat what they're sickeningly called abortion trafficking the bill would actually criminalize i'm actually quoting an article i read the bill would criminalize an aunt or a grandmother who drives a teenage girl over the border for a legal abortion in oregon it would make a felon of a school friend who lends her money for a bus ticket to a friend or a sister who takes her, her her sister to the post office to pick up a package of abortion pills that are mailed to him. Legislation also contains a provision giving the Idaho Attorney General the ability to override the jurisdiction of local prosecutors <laughs> who don't want to prosecute in this charge. So if a local DA doesn't want to prosecute these kind of charges, they can take that away. The state will enforce their laws over their own prosecutors. That's authoritarianism, too. We just got word in North Carolina that Democrat state representative from a D-plus-20 district, D-plus-20 district, for reasons that no one quite sure what happened yet, has switched her party affiliation to Republican, giving the Republicans a supermajority, allowing them to pass whatever they want and override vetoes of the, 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 the Democratic governor's veto. And then, of course, List Launder list. Republican lawmakers across the nation have introduced hundreds of bills on transgender care. 10 states have banned gender-affirming care for minors. Another 21 have introduced bills, even as multiple studies have found access to gender-affirming care reduces the risk of depression and suicide for trans children who are more likely than than not to have considered suicide in their lives. In at least five states, the GOP's proposed gender-affirming care bans actually include adults as well. They're legislating what adults can do with their bodies now. I mean, the irony of this one, by the way, the 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 fucking punchline of this one is here in Missouri, where the St. Louis County and St. Louis City have banned uh declawing of cats. I'm not shitting you with this, right? <laughs> the city and the county have <laughs> declawing bans. I don't know where you stand on that. I'm not gonna get into that. The legislature is passing a bill to override that. And they had no shit. I'm not making this up. They literally said the reason is the decision for a cat. Is between the owner and the doctor. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) they're fucking protecting cats, (laughs) but they're not protecting women who need abortions or healthcare or transgender care. That's the fucking insanity we face. So, what does all this tell us? Right? It tells us what I said at the top and something I say, and you're probably sick of hearing it we have to fight everywhere. And know if you listen to the show often, if you're new, you may have heard me say before this last cycle uh, in the Democratic, in the congressional races, 23 Republicans ran unopposed, completely unopposed, for varying reasons. 17 Democratic candidates reported having never raised any money at all. And then about another 109, I believe, raised less than $200,000, which is the minimum threshold for a, a, a campaign, a congressional campaign, to be successful. That's not fighting everywhere, right? That's not fighting everywhere. We know now, we see it, that if we have to fight over. We have to start at the grassroots level. And and look, I'm going to tell you the truth, guys. No one's going to save us. If you're looking for the DNC, you're looking for big super PACs, if you're looking for you know, former candidates, look, they're doing good things, a lot of them. And I give them credit. I think the DCCC now has got 31 races they're targeting. That's a that's a big number for the DCCC to target 31 races. And I'm thrilled to see that, uh, the, the Democratic Campaign Committee. Um, but it's not their job to save us. It's our job to save us. And when I look towards my own school district here in Missouri, where local folks came together and they pushed back, um, there was a, in, in, in Ladue School District, there was a guy running... This is, the, you can't make this shit up. The guy had a dark money group sent out flyers for him and his big claim, one of his claims was that he had children in LeDoux schools and that's why he's running for the school board. No, his children are in fucking private schools. Why would a guy who's got children in a private school want to run for school board? I'll tell you why. He wants you to fucking pay for it. Okay. And a lot of local folks, to include my friend Jill Shoop, as a former state senator, and others, came together and opposed this. And they coordinated, and they put out tweets, and they put out Facebook posts, and they talked to their neighbors. And they fought at the local level against this insidious lies and these cover-ups and the smoke and mirrors. And so if you're looking for national organizations or super PACs or anyone to save us, I got bad news. They're not going to save us. We have to save ourselves. And it starts in your own neighborhood. It starts with postcards. It starts with phones. It starts with getting a sign, putting the sign in your yard. It starts with staying in the corner. It starts with talking to your neighbors, and it really does start with a tweet or a Facebook post. And 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 now we can see. You can see it. I I, I get frustrated with my Democratic peers because so often they, they they express such little hope. Um, like I said, Simon Rosenberg's. Uh, column on Substack is called the Hopium Chronicles. (laughs) I love that name. I I love it. I I wish it's stolen sooner. (laughs) You know, it's a great name. Um, But the point is there is hope and it's in us. It's in you and I to get up and to dust ourselves off and figure out what we need to do in our own backyards to turn back the tide. Because I do, I see it. You can see it when you, when you look at the folks who just got elected here on our school boards in my, in my state where I live, where I'm talking to you from, if you look at where they are, there is hope. It's not perfect. I, in Wisconsin, I understand this morning, one of my followers on Twitter pointed out that a state senate, the state senate may have just um, become a super majority there um, because of one state senate race outside of Milwaukee. And I get it. It's not gonna be easy. I, I, w- I go back to what my friend Chris Jones said on the show about three weeks ago, and I just love it. Chris Jones said, people keep telling me it's gonna take a 10 years, a 10 year project to turn the tide in Arkansas or turn the tide wherever. And the problem is they never start, right? I mean, I've been hearing that for two, three years now. Well, how come the numbers not going down? Because we're not starting. So if you wanna turn the tide in 10 years, it starts fucking today. It starts right where you are, starts right in your backyard. My friends call their group it starts today, they used to. It does. It starts today. The 10-year plan has to start today, and it may not work every cycle, but as long as we keep moving the needle, we'll get back. So I tell you that to offer hope at that long list of horrible things. And my point to all that is, I'm going to sum up, and this is the most thing that should trouble you the most. There's people in our world and the establishment, if you will, who just call these culture wars. I read you a list of, well, A through I of examples. And some are just writing those off as, culture war issues, well, real lives are at stake. Kids are committing suicide. Parents, mothers are gonna die from pregnancy care they didn't get. In Idaho, they just announced that two hospitals in Idaho are not even gonna offer birth centers anymore because they don't have enough OBGYNs. They don't have enough doctors and the doctors are afraid of getting sued or getting brought up on charges for abortion care, we're literally shutting down the ability to have healthy, safe birth in this maniacal quest to stamp out abortion. And that's not culture war, that's life and death. And when Americans are dying, be it gun violence, be it abortion, be it suicide from depression, Because they're not allowed to be their real selves and themselves, that's not a cultural issue. That's a fucking war. So when people tell you something's a cultural war issue and they're going to ignore it, you need to call them out. Say no, it's a war. Because it may be a cultural war to you, but to many of my fellow Americans, it's fucking war. And in war, I can tell you, I did it four times. I went to war. People die. And I'm not one to sit back and let fellow Americans die. When somebody just wants to brush it off as a culture war, you make it clear to them, no, it's a fucking war. So thank you. Now, i got an exciting announcement. Um, I've kind of teased it the last couple episodes, but we've launched a Substack community. I know, maybe it seems cliche. I, even I find myself thinking when I say it. <laughs> However, (laughs) nonetheless, Um, so I launched On Democracy with FP Wellman, the substack. Uh, It's super easy to find, fpwellman.substack.com, and it goes around the show and the issues of the show, and then also I've added in, I've layered in my own background from uh, my past experiences, my life lessons I've learned, because apparently some people want to listen to them. Uh, I had a newsletter on review that got nuked by Elon (laughs) that was really kind of just stories, And, and many of them, frankly, will go into a book that I'm working on right now, but The Substack is going to be a community we build around the show. You'll see the show each week. You'll have it sent to you. I'll also be sending out pieces. I sent a piece out yesterday about the the Tad Shell game. I love doing my, I call it the Sunday read, which would be some of those stories. This week's Sunday read was about my friend Steve Schmidt, who if you've seen his, he was on the show about five months ago, how we met in Iraq and how that went. Crazy in inter- Iraq, little war story for you. Those kind of things will be in there. You'll get those every Sunday. We'll do special events. You know, one of the things that's always kind of um I don't want to say it bothered me, but it's challenging with having a weekly show, uh, is I can't get all the guests on that I want to. And some guests don't fit. Like, like, you know, I've got friends who are comedians, like you know, Brent Terhoon. If you know Brent Terhun, he's 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 just a terrific comedian who does the most amazing, you know, MAGA fan uh impressions. Um Well, Brent may not fit on, you know, on on democracy, you know, but he'd be great fucking Zoom chat, wouldn't it? And so my intent is to have people like Brad or uh, others who I've been friends with who come on. We'll do special Zooms that paid subscribers will be able to attend as a a, a show, ask us questions, have conversations Uh, again to expand the conversation for this uh, this effort beyond just the uh, the podcast that I'm hoping you're downloading and watching on YouTube. So I'm really excited. Again, it's Substack. It's fpwellman.substack.com. Really easy to find, the On democracy Substack. I would love you to sign up for free. You'll get you'll still get the Sunday reads and stuff in the future. Um, for the first month, it's all free, so you can kind of get a feel for what we're doing and, frankly, for me to shake it out. Um, some things work, some things done. I'm experimenting a little bit. You know, did, did this chat work? Did this Ask Me Anything work? Whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll have some fun this first month playing it and then eventually we We'll start putting some stuff beyond the paywall, so we can uh, build a more uh, intimate community and, and do some more stuff. So I'd love you to have to join that. I think it's worth your time and, and worth your effort to be a part of. I'd love you to, to 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 follow it and 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 join our community. And finally, as always, you can always find me. I am at fp welman on Twitter still. Um, for reasons I can't explain, I'm still there and it's still going well. Uh, my official Instagram is fp welman um, I am on post. I'm on Mastodon a little bit, not much. I'm definitely on uh, Spoutable. <laughs> I'm everywhere. It's all FP Wellman. Just look me up there. And, of course, on the On to Moxie Pod on Twitter, you can find us there on our podcast. Of course, on our YouTube channel, On Demoxy Podcast is on YouTube. I want to take a sec, because I missed it last week, uh, and thank our sponsors, Vi Media. Uh, you know, they're a great marketing partner. They've been helping me out quite a bit, giving me advice and keep me straight. Vi Media is an award-winning digital market agency based right here in the greater St. Louis area. Uh, but they're a national organization. They're doing well. They're growing and winning awards. They serve all your digital marketing needs and more. I hope you'll give them a the call. Again, look them up online. It's vi.media, V-I-E dot media on the web in the meantime i would just be so thrilled and honored if you'd subscribe to the show on all our channels especially youtube leave a positive review that'd be even better (laughs) share with your friends be sure to be a part of the community when you get a chance in the meantime i hope you have a great safe week we'll see you next week with a great guest thanks